Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season three of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all around the world about masculinity, relationships, and self-love. Masked man number 73 is the man with intention. He shares his perspective on what it means to live with intention as a balance of openness to receive what the world brings you through the interactions we have with select people in this world. In this episode, we bring up the notion of getting burned when touching a hot pan and learning not to do that again. But then, does that encourage us to seek out people to cook on our behalf? Or do we learn how to hold a pan and then also use that as leverage against those that have not learned yet? We talk all about ego, intentions, and expectations layered in fear and self-worth. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a unique space where I'm not around a lot of my peers as I'm in a new location. And, you know, there's a, there is that focus of, you know, develop myself as a professional. And it's interesting you say that because I saw somewhere on Instagram, it said, you know, before you go and date, like make sure you're healed. And I thought it was interesting as there's so many layers to healing. So how do you actually know that I'm good? Uh, So, I feel as though that I was walking with my roomie uh, the other weekend, the lessons of sitting still the last like few weeks, especially, you know, really sitting and knowing myself and having that new definition of self-love that came through in our conversation with self-love being the, the way and the standard in which you govern yourself. I feel as though as those, that boundary for myself and how I conduct myself is so important as it's the first step. And now I get to apply those things. So dating with a very clear intention of getting to know, obviously connect to another person. And then the layer to that is getting to know yourself a little bit more. And I think it just comes and it doesn't need to come with a sexual intention at all. It's just like, man, I'm really excited just to really get to know you and whether it's coffee or a walk and talk, which is pretty common out here in Arizona, which I like. I think it's so, it's so important to give yourself permission to apply that which you've been learning because you can just sit and just wallow in yourself but you know i imagine yourself and you know like other people there is a component to really exploring and reflecting on the previous relationships so that way you can be a better person be a better being otherwise that's how the patterns which you were being into from that last relationship will just follow you because wherever you go there you are yeah i feel that and i think it's really important to have that permission for yourself because I think I mean old habits you know run pretty deep so now that I'm back in a a city even though I'm technically not around any friends um, here in Oaxaca City I'm just looking at everyone else that's kind of visiting maybe for short term or long term and they are all just meeting each other and coming in with an open mind and I'm just like I'm not I'm not sure what the lesson is here I'm not sure what the point of my interaction is with you is and I don't know if I'm overthinking it because I'm just I've been so peaceful with myself so I'm I'm a little bit apprehensive about applying it because I'm afraid of misinterpreting the lesson or the purpose of what we're doing here versus if it's just me and myself then like I have full control over that and I've you know in in some essence healed in my self-love but I don't know how to apply that then in real life in the interactions of others Mm, that's good and i'd say it's okay 
<laughs> like, yo, it's 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 okay because yo, I'm scared too. <laughs> I think even if you are a quote unquote healed or even you're in a good space, there's still an element of feeling unsafe, if you will. And you know, something that dropped in this past weekend, you know, there's a there is an element, a bigger element of trust. And that could be just to who's showing up or what spirit or God or what, with whatever the universe is providing for you, because there is eight billion people in this world. And I mean, I'm, I'm curious to even, you know, how many people do you think you've interacted with even on social media in your whole life? Like how many people do you think you've interacted with? Yeah, a lot. Try yeah. and put a number to it. Go ahead. Try. Like thousands. Yeah. Least, something. Yeah something like that and still that's so tiny i think you know i didn't go to a big university i think it's somewhere between maybe 10 and fifteen thousand people in my whole life per se and that's with social media and that's with like all the other things and that's such a small number so what a blessing it is to be around different extensions or units of the universe that are experiencing this this dope life thing as, as well as i am so there's, there's a there is a there is a surrender per se, and that's where you know triggers can be explored. Like my friend, and she uh, she says the uh, the trigger is the teacher. The trigger is the teacher, and in that there's so many lessons to be extracted, and just work to be that observer. I've noticed in myself more so comparison to my last relationship you know, not necessarily comparing the two, but almost like comparing the experiences or they kind of just pop up in my mind, like, well, what would they do in this situation? And it is, I'll say it's tough. And that's where I feel as though it will allow for a new space just for me to explore more of me in that realm. And because I can't stay in my cave per se, but I'm extroverted by nature. So I feel like it's only a matter of time before I'm like, okay, I need to go connect to people. Yeah, I know. And I don't know. I'm rethinking about the definitions of introvert and extrovert. You know, like I think rather mm-hmm. than being energized from people or being exhausted from people, it's more, I think that extroverted people are thinkers that feel. And I think that introverts are feelers that think. So if you're an introvert, you're a feeler, mm-hmm. you feel a lot of the energy, you think you overthink a lot. And then on the other side, if you're an extrovert, you you think a lot and you're able to then bounce ideas across other people. And that's what energizes you. But then if you're a thinker that feels second, you experience all of that aftermath. So I think it's more, it's nothing that anything is better or worse. It's more just the sequence. If you feel first or you think first. Ooh, that's good. It's how you process things. As mm-hmm. I feel that my roomie, very introverted, me, extroverted and he likes to go back into his room and reflect, process, digest, sit with things, apply things. And he comes out and he's like, ah, meanwhile, you put me out in around whoever in a party or in a social setting or around our friends. And I can bounce all these ideas off of like my friends. So I love, I love that application. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you end up learning about yourself or what have you recently learned about yourself over an interaction with someone recently? Mm, that real concept of, of, of self-love and a layer of that is allowance. A lot of people don't allow themselves to experience life 
the traumas, the stressors, the integration to come with it, the lessons, to even say hi to people. People are so quick. We can be walking past each other and they look like down and to the right or they just look down or they look at their phone versus just look at someone and just say, hi. So it's like people are so scared of people. And the biggest lesson has been, I feel the essence of my work is helping give people an allowance for themselves to just live. Like that concept of allowance, like if you're blessed to receive an allowance, weekly allowance made from your parents or whatever. But the, the layer of that that I've discovered is we pay ourselves now that allowance to go live life. And we'll experience life to the extent that we give ourselves that allowance to feel, experience, think, and just, just go live as living is in the application. And you're gonna keep, I guess you could say going on this life path, if you will, regardless, but you know, well, how much life are you actually gonna experience? It's how much you trust, it's how much you can lean into the big trust, but how much you can allow yourself to go experience these things with the awareness and with the resources and with tapping into the resourcefulness of knowing that you'll be able to transmute or shift anything that does happen that might be a big stimulus for you. I realized I I thought what I wanted was to live somewhere out in the mountains, you know, pretty rural space, secluded, you know, to be in peace and zen. And I didn't want people to mess with my zen. So I didn't want to be too busy in the city or anything like this. And then I met a couple of friends and then I found uh, one of them was actually living up on this hilltop. So I went to visit the place and it was, it was a beautiful space. And I just sat there for almost an hour staring at the view. And I was like, this is what I've come here for, for this view, just looking over the mountains. And then I sat there and I was just like, what's the rush? Why did I feel like I needed to find the end? But this is the spot. And then coast you know set up all my things put my roots in place and then and this is it this is my tranquility this is my peace this is whatever when actually it's it's life it's living it's the journey like this is not the end and I feel like we are always maybe we're just conditioned in a way to find the end so you know in relation to the beginning of our conversation of like finding your tribe your people your relationship your place, your home, all of this stuff is always just like the search for the end. And we're not spending enough time in the, in the, in the middle, in the living part. And I just realized like, this is my like part three, if I was going to, you know, put parts in my, in my life where I'm actually learning how to live. Like this is the living part, right? Because everything else I was, I was searching for the end. That's good. As a, I watch some. I watch some fire anime. I watch some fire anime, and people don't understand anime. They're like, oh, those are cartoons. <laughs> what are you doing watching that? I'm like, man, <laughs> it's. Uh, it comes with a, a. I would say an Eastern philosophy, like morality, that's ingrained in this, in these, in these shows, in these universes, really. And I'm only offering this because, again, with my roomie, I've had great talks. I've, we've been affirming like, oh, it's the best month of my life. It's the best week of my life, like whatever it may be. But there's certain like series or like arcs, if you will. And it's like, this is the best arc I'm ever going to have. Like this arc is about to be legendary. This phase of life is about to be legendary. Like it's about to be amazing. And it just keeps getting better and better. So I, I love that application of this phase or three of your life. That is, that's so, that's so juicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think that some of us 
might not want to take that plunge? You know, like, where do you think the fear really comes from? Because from my perspective, my fear was I'm too afraid to live because I'm too afraid to die. Mm. Right. And I didn't realize that that was ultimately the, the real, the real fear factor of being afraid to die, even though technically we can never not die. <laughs> like you can't avoid yourself from death. Um, but mine was mm. really like fear of fear of living because someone can take it away from me in which I gave a lot of power to the potential of someone else taking it away from me and specifically men, you know, in the sense that I didn't feel safe or comfortable to travel alone or do anything without the support of a man I could trust. Yeah. Right. So once I removed that and was like, well, I'm going to die anyway. So who cares if I have a man by my side or not, you know, just going to figure it out. If that's the time, then that's the time. Right. And, yeah. and I think that is the allowance, that acceptance of like, regardless if death comes to you or not, you're still doing it and you're still going to choose life. Yeah. I just, I really, I resonate as I feel like people are just disconnected from our nature, which we're going to die someday. Like who knows when that's going to be? You could any, like literally any, literally anything can happen. Like that's the wild thing. I'm sitting right next to my bed or standing right next to my bed. Like it's not a guarantee I'm going to wake up tomorrow. So what I want to like, how would I, how would I, like, I, uh, an exercise that's important to me is Memento Mori. One of my mentors reminded me of it. And it's, you literally write out your obituary or you write out your, your eulogy to what will people say about you. And I know we're, this isn't like a relationship kind of like standpoint, but your relationship is simply an extension of, or I imagine could be an extension of how you want to amplify and live your life, you know? So what would your partner say about you what your friends say about you you know what's the energy what's the what's the quality of life that you lived with that and that pulls me just like that like we're gonna like we're gonna die any like our cells are literally dying every like there's thousands there's millions of cells and chemical processes that are going on in our body that are living dying living dying every single second we are just a bigger part of that but you know really just tapping into the nature of nature and just a reminder of death, like nothing is given. It just really can be, it can be freeing to just go live life. And I think a big component is people just don't, they haven't accessed or they don't have the awareness that they do have resources that are there to support them. Like I know I can go live life and I know I can call brothers. I know I can call family. I know I can call, I know I can call you probably and chop it up. Like, Yo, what do you think of this? I'm having some, I'm having a tough time, you know, just being vulnerable or as vulnerability can be such a gateway to lessons and to peace. I think it's just, it's just coming back into like a neutral awareness. So that's very important. Mm -hmm. I think it's some a learning that I've had recently is how much we attach a need for others. And I think it might be a misunderstanding of the sentiment of it's okay to not be okay, or it's okay to be okay, or it's okay to just in general, anything. Yeah. And I, I was locked out of my apartment here like multiple times this month. I don't know what's been going on. I'm not, I'm not an irresponsible person, but what's really funny is if you're living abroad by yourself, like you should not forget your keys. This, this could be a really big issue, right? If you don't right. have a phone number, you don't have friends. I'm like, oh, wow, I don't have emergency contacts that someone can show up at my apartment and like help me out. Right. You know? And and this was 
the first time that I actually wasn't scared about that. I was like, mm. whatever, something's going to happen. We'll just wait and see, you know, at least I'm choosing not to live in that fear anymore of that. What if, and I think the more travelers I meet, the more I, I notice that they will instantly find their one cab driver and make that their connection. They will instantly find like the two coffee shops that they like to, and then instantly like, that's it. And, and they won't move away from that, mm. you know? And it's like, why do you think that we like to form that comfort so quickly as a way of, is it, is it part of your self-identity to be like, I like these spots. I'm a, you know, East side, West side person, you know, like where do, I think we enjoy that, that limitation, the, the, mm. the more we close that box in, the more we feel comfortable in that identifier without Ooh. it. Then what happens? Oh, this is, this is good. I'll speak. I mean, I'm, I was born in the United States and <laughs> I feel like there's this box per se that we're put into and that we kind of stay in. But I just think of Europe, like kids in Europe, they travel to all these different countries, cultures, experiences, like all within a few hours, like drive for away from uh, other countries. And you, you can, I can drive from this state and it'll take a while, it'll take a few hours and I can go to Texas or Mexico or California. That same thing, it's another country. So I feel like there's this, this it's, it's, it's attachment for sure. Like Americans I feel are very inundated with attachments. Humans are very inundated with, with, with this need for attachment. But yeah, I do feel like it's, it's self-identity. I do feel like it does definitely meets a big need for safety. And with that need for safety can be a bridge to community as you're sending Maslow's hierarchy of needs in coffee. That's a biological need. Um, <laughs> so biological need, safety need, community need. And then that's where you can start to explore into the, the realms of self-actualization and which just means you're just giving yourself the ultimate permission to be all that you be. And I've, I think that there's a, a safety need that's met, but that's because bigger needs of safety, knowingness of self potentially aren't met within. So we find that in our circumstances, we find that in our environment, we find that in our partners, we find that in what we know to be familiar. However, well, again, what's most familiar? Wherever you go, there you be. So if there's a level of certainty, like you just said, in yourself, you're like, oh, I'm locked out. I got this, it's gonna work out. Well, what shifted? You and your perception. So I feel like as people know who they are, that's where more doors can be opened within themselves to then go explore and, and experience more of our environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really cool to take that minute and realize how, how much you've changed, right? Because you can look back and be like, whoa, I would be freaking out if this was a different situation in time. I realized one time I was invited to go to this event um, by a friend. And it doesn't matter what our relationship is. I was constantly looking back at him thinking like, acknowledge me that I'm here. Mm. Even though I'm not coming here for you, like you're inviting me to this party. It's not a big deal. I suddenly had this like need to be acknowledged for that. Not that I deserve any special treatment. Not that like we have a specific situation, but I think it was a learning for me to realize why do I care? You know, one thing that we were talking about earlier is identifying ourselves within the box, but then how much is it 
how much does it matter that the other person or other people in that community recognize you? Those people at the coffee shop recognize you. They know your order. You know, the friends that you have recognize you and say things about you that reaffirm that identity. Mm. Mm. Oh, this is this is good as this dives into a, a concept of, of ego. And when I say ego, I guess my current definition of it, what I've, what I've learned with uh, I am the power of discovering who you really are. I think that's Howard Falco, by the way. Ego is this construct of separation, of separate self. Ego is created so that way, almost like spirit, God, universe, that could know more of itself. So that way, this idea, the separate self can traverse out into the world, gain all these experiences and get more efficient at living, get more efficient at processing, get more efficient at connecting deeper to itself. And we do get attached to this this, this concept of self, of ego. And I think that can be affirmed in the mirrors that our friends or family are coffee shops or whatever, as it is a need for acknowledgement. And again, that I guess intentionality is very important. It's like, well, why are you going to that coffee shop? Are you doing it just to like, you know, what's, what is, what is your intention with it? Is, are you going to be recognized? Are you going because it feels like home, you know? And then there's a saying in my, my fraternity, it's, it's not what you get, but what you give not who you are, but how you live. So it's the energy, it's the essence, it's the intention of how you're showing up. And you know, what are you giving to the spaces and places as I imagine you'll see so much return, quote unquote, return on investment in your intentionality through the quality relationships that you will form. But those are just the relationships that are in proximity. Like again, back to the awareness of there's 8 billion people you're building this network. It's just a very small, like, cotton ball in this massive factory of cotton balls and different things, or a web, maybe per se. Like, this is just like one string to a very massive, massive, massive. Literally, I mean, literally, solar system wide web. If you really want to get big with it, or universal web. But let's let's just focus on Earth for now. Mm-hmm. What does intentionality mean to you? Intentionality is how you choose to be and how you choose to show up. Take this podcast, for example. I'm here to be a conduit. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to just enjoy an enriching conversation for the soul. And not that I'm attached or I expect anything from it. So it just leaves a whole openness of yes and more. So I feel when you set an intention or moving with an intentional life, you're just moving with a more so of a way to live life and an aim per se, but you're open to all that, which is, which is possible to, to gift you and to experience you. Not that it's quote unquote bad to live an unintentional life, because even if you're living unintentionally, there's still a scope that you're living with and you're still creating your reality. Intentionality just allows for a little bit more focus. Mm-hmm. I think it's the more I think about these things, the more I realize how limited our vocabulary is in the English language, because how we describe intentionality. Um, I, I really like the way that you're saying it as in you have an openness, but then you also have a direction of meaningfulness. Mm-hmm. Like you're here to mm-hmm. make sure that you're not wasting this time, you know, that yes. in this time, you're, you're present and you're here. And yes. I think that is leading with intention. I think where we get mixed up with things is 
leading with purpose, as in I need to deliver X, Y, Z outcomes, you know, mm. and I think we've been searching for our purpose this whole time. Like, what's my purpose in life? This is what I do. Again, that's that ego, that self-identifier of like, I do these things. I push for X results, yeah. right? I do this. Mm-hmm. And I used to blend purpose and intention together. I used to think like, you know, let's all come in with intentions. Please state your intentions on, you know, what the desire for this interaction is. And I wanted it to be so specific and mm. outcome-based because otherwise, what is the purpose? What is the point of this conversation? So I think it's it's that balance and also finding that openness where you do surrender to the the fact that you don't know what that outcome is, right? Ooh, and here's, oh, I love when conversations come full circle because that's how you know it's so juicy. <laughs> um, the allowance. You set your intention and then you allow, you surrender for the universe to gift you with all and more because... Uh, I think it's your wishes, your command. Beautiful, beautiful podcast. Um, there's our radar, but there's the universe's radar, which will send you people, circumstances, events, opportunities, spaces, and places that are all conspiring for you. But you may not have the conscious awareness and knowingness of it. And like I, I like how you mentioned purpose as even like say take take one's purpose statement that it can be dynamic. Mine used to be like I am here to help the angry, ashamed, and isolated experience more life per moment. And now it's somewhere along the lines of like, I'm here to help bridge humanity back into an authentic, organic way of living. And that kind of encompasses authenticity, vulnerability, love, collaboration, feeling like all these different values of mine. But even that, it's like, yes, and more. So living in an intentional life, I love it adds an efficiency to what you're working to manifest because you may not be able to measure your intention, but you can see the results of your intention. And that's through what you're working to manifest, which again, kind of goes into your intentionality slash goals, slash commitment, slash all the things. Yeah, I hear you. How do you answer that question? If you are speaking to a potential romantic interest about what's your intention? Ooh, great question. So someone would ask me like, what is your intention? Mm-hmm. Um, at this moment, what's coming through is like, I'm here to experience more of self and more experience more of you. As, as I experience more of you, I'm going to experience more of me. Mm-hmm. And that leads to more fun, clarity. It feels good. And I mean, just where I'm at, it's like, man, I'm really in a space of self-exploration. And I love that you mentioned the idea of, you know, a romantic partner as, you know, maybe I'm dating to connect to a new friend. You know, and even I think it was the ethical slut, which it talks more on like actually like, you know, having sex with your friends. But I asked my roommate again, I was like, can you date your friend? And, you know, or if we're never going on a, or, or I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, because you can go on a bro date. You can date yourself. It's like, yo, if I ask you, yo, you're trying to go to the movies, that's a date. And a date to me is uh, a specific space or time with an intention uh, just to be present and to connect and to enjoy life together. So if it's speed dating or whatever, it's like, you know, what is your intention? I'm here to connect deeper to self. I'm here to connect deeper to you. And I'm here to connect deeper to the universe as that might sound, sound a little esoteric or else that's <laughs> freaking weird. Well, I am weird. And I love shit like that. So if you're not aligned with that, cool. Like, good on you. What are, well, what are you about? You know, I, I like that you have that openness. But I don't know, in my experience, Whenever mm-hmm. I would ask that question, 
the intention would always be like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, see things through. I'm going to go with the flow. Who knows? You know, it's very open-ended. But when I ask deeper, especially with hetero men, they're going to put you in a couple buckets, right? And the bucket is like, easy yes i know i know this person's interested in me so it's it's an ego affirmation right this person is like mm-hmm. already ready to give me whatever maybe for the validation of her self-worth who knows this person is already keen on me for whatever reason instantaneously the other one middle ground we're, we we don't know right so this is the the fun part where it's like are you into me are you not into me but first off like why is the thought whether or not this person's into me first. You don't even know this person yet. How do you know if that person's into you? So you're gauging this, right? And then the last one is like, I really don't know, but I'm interested in her, right? So am I going to take that risk? And no one ever goes into bucket three because it's too much of a risk, right? So you're either sitting in the I don't know stage where like both of you are neutral or for sure this girl's into me. Why Why is there a bucket system? Why is it in relation to how much that person already likes you before you've even spoken a word because that's not how women work because we i mean with the patriarchy we're just not given that kind of privilege to be like oh i'm just going to choose based on face value if this person's already into me and Mm. then you know make my choices Mm. Mm -hmm. i'm curious uh if you were to or if someone were to ask you in this moment you know what is your intention if you're sitting down about to grab some coffee or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. what'd you say my intention is to find the lesson in this interaction. I don't know what that is. That could be a reminder or that could be a new lesson. But I always enter every situation wanting to know what, what the greater learning is for myself out of that because everything has a reason behind it. it we don't yeah. do things for no reason. You might not think that there is. So when I used to jump in things, I'm like, oh, there's nothing. I have no intentions. There's no reason for me being here. No, there's a huge reason for me. I just need to be aware of it. And and I want to see, you know, and maybe that will take me two minutes to learn this lesson or it'll take me two years. Who knows? And that's that's how I'll enter it. Yeah. All right. One more question. I'm curious. Why is it important for you to know the lesson? Because that's growth. Mm. And if I don't know the lesson, I need to stay there until the lesson is learned. Mm. And that can take a duration of time. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a reflection of me reverting back, you know, and then going back into old habits. And this is a reminder of like, hey, you know, this is the thing that you should be paying attention to. And this person has come back here to remind you of that. Yeah. Or this person is here to take you further. Now that as, as a proof point of you having surpassed something. And leveling up and that's awesome too yeah i'm big i'm a big fan of leveling up and uh i appreciate it i just want to acknowledge i just want to acknowledge i acknowledge you know the buckets as it's interesting to be able to have an awareness of you know what you might be perceiving or you know where someone might be as even the concept or the words of you know is this person into me well what does that mean to you i think at least from a male perspective from the interviews i've done when someone's into you means I can have sex with them, you know, and, and that outcome based thing really bothers me because why is that an, an identifier? And I think it's, it's again, to reflect on your ego as well. And I think even when I'm interacting with people, I'm like, Hmm, do I think that way too? Do I want this person to like me? 
a little bit more than just as a friend so that there's potential that I can manipulate this if I felt like it? Is it a power struggle? Like why, why do we still have to hinge on the idea of, well, I can have sex with this person and suddenly that means I have one up over this person or what? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting as I feel like what you're starting to dive into is one, it's obviously social constructs and maybe, maybe it is the standard in like, you know, how people interact with each other as we're in a hypersexualized time in society. It's like define what sex even means for you. Conversation, like, do clothes need to be off? Does there need to be any penetration? Like any of those concepts for sure. And once more, you know, it comes back to intentionality because it feels good to be in a place where, you know, if yes, I am sitting down with a potential romantic partner, well, first, like, I just want to see if we can, if we can even connect via the mind versus I think there can be a race to see, you know, how, how naked can we get and how quick can we get? And how fast does that happen? And, you know, there's a, I'll just speak on my experience. There's a big need for connection of the mind and inspiration, as you did mention manipulation, as I feel people can manipulate or there's a goal, there's a purpose to just getting you out your pants versus what if that was co-created? What if that was inspired? What if that was clean and clear? What if that was pure? Like, what if that was just, what if that was just an extension of the exploration of our souls? Mm-hmm. Well, then what would be the foreplay? Conversation, mm-hmm. connection, fucking, uh, part of my language, <laughs> but whatever it might be, um, just co-leading each other's lives versus being codependent on each other's perspective, perspectives of each other. Mm-hmm. I think there is something to, talk about vulnerability of feeling naked you know Mm. and with the hypersexualization of today's society of being naked like physically in the body it puts women in the in the hands of mercy you know like they are kind of more vulnerable in the sense that they're more naked but when you put men into emotional vulnerability with their clothes on then they are in in the space of weakness. Ooh, that's and, good. You know, I think there is that shift now where women are are taking their power back, right? And realizing like, oh, I don't need to submit to sexuality in order to have a connection with with men, you know? And without that outward look of like, oh, this I can sleep with this person. It's like, oh shit, like now I have to connect with this person, which means I have to be naked to then get this person naked physically. Now it's it's getting to a better balance the way I'm looking at it. But there's still that desire to flip those flip the script and begin with physical nakedness before you can get to the inner nakedness. So I, I appreciate that as there's a lot of men that are scared as hell to be emotionally naked, mm-hmm. to be fully vulnerable, no armor, nothing, to, no masks. You know, shout out to the podcast. Um, <laughs> because we don't feel safe. Yeah. Why don't we feel safe? That's a whole another conversation. I feel like that could be a whole podcast episode and whether it be trauma, whether it be, you know, the images we looked at in our father figures or the absence of our father figures, heartbreak or, you know, past relationships or, you know, the variety of things. And that's an interesting concept as perhaps as humans, when we're able to be more emotionally naked and vulnerable with each other, you know, how would that then affect the physical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I feel like it's a portal into, portal into 
just deeper experiences that are really, really healing. As I feel like that's when, as people heal their trauma, they become more aware of it and they can give themselves permission. Yeah, this is where I've been, the, but, you know, and I see that in you and we don't even need to say anything, you know, but I pick up on that resonance. I pick up in how you speak and how you carry yourself and how you ask your questions and the different things that can relay information and convey information nonverbal and through your tone, it will lead to higher levels of communication and just seeing each other. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the fear of being seen? This is um, something I've experienced a bit where as coming from my perspective, I've always wanted to be seen. I used to fight to be seen, you know, and I think if you're of a minority group in any way, you're fighting to be seen in the social constructs of what is available or not available to you. But if you are in a privileged space, if you're a man, there's a desire to not be seen because mm. then you have to show everything. And if you don't want to mm. show the good and the bad and the ugly, you only want to show the top successful aspects of you you don't want to be seen but then if you don't want to be seen or you're afraid of being seen how can you find yourself in a safe space if you're not allowing safety to come to you yeah yeah i feel like the main fear in being seen is being judged mm -hmm. and i feel like the second second reason is because it could predispose you to i think we started talking about it but like the five core wounds of the soul humiliation betrayal, abandonment, rejection. Oh, what's that last one? I can never remember. There's a fifth one, I promise. A lot of people get trauma from one of those four or five core wounds, and then they're scared to then experience life again. They're not, they're scared to allow themselves to be seen. They're scared to allow it. So, you know, what can be the first step to that? Being aware of what are your core wounds and being able to start explore different modalities and reflections of self and lessons learned from those different things because I started listening to this book, Soul, Con Soul Contracts. Yeah, it's called Soul Contracts. As we all come here with a very depthful purpose and the contracts that we sign even before we join or signed up for this, this 3D reality are the people that are going to help facilitate this growth in us. And with that awareness that everything's literally going according to plan and once more being aware of what has hurt you, if you burn your fingers on the stove, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that at a subconscious and conscious level. Well, when you have these different traumas and these different soul wounds and scars, then you have more sensitivity to them. You can move more efficiently and with more awareness to not avoid pain, but instead to enjoy life with the knowingness of yourself. Mm -hmm. So here's a challenge. If you yes. get back to the, the metaphor of burning yourself on the pan, you touch the wrong part of the pan. You're trying to cook, touch the wrong part of the pan. There's two things that can happen. You will try again and cook, right? And you'll find the right part of the pan that doesn't burn you. <laughs> or you will just never enter the kitchen and never touch a stovetop ever again. Mm -hmm. And you will just find other support mechanisms that will cook for you mm -hmm. and other people that are experts with pans, right? And mm -hmm. which one is safer? Which one is safer? It's mm, a good question. It's a real good question. I also want to ask you a question. Which one is more sustainable? 
would answer your question mm -hmm. first. Safer, uh, yeah, I guess you'd have to define safety. And the question would be, you know, well, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to, you know, go get your knee bet for food and figure out this pan? And if you're not, then you have that, if you, it's either a physiological safety or it's a, I guess it's an emotional safety. But it's again, what kind of life do you want to live and what permission do you want to give yourself? So which is more sustainable? And if you can find comfortability and a, ooh, but then if you start, well, this is good. So then if you start relying on people to cook for you, well, then you're codependent, then you surrender your power. But if you, you know, keep figuring it out, I mean, I'll hold space, you know, you'll have a certain amount of skin left, but you'll find that part of the pan where you work and then you'll be able to be more self, uh, be able to self-regulate yourself, take care of yourself. So mm -hmm. it's, do I want to codepend or do I want to put in the work and effort to take this vessel through this world? Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to think, obviously, the best bet was to find a top chef that's going to cook for me, right? Never touch mm -hmm. the stove again, surround myself with other responsible people that figured out the pan situation. And in order to do that, I have to be able to afford these top dogs, right? Yeah. So I measured my worth on whether or not I can afford having these types of people in my life that were going to protect mm -hmm. me in this way of safety until mm -hmm. I realized there's only so much in a pan that's going to burn you. You will eventually find your way to the handle. Nice. If you give yourself time to find the handle. If yeah. you never do, the further away you go, the more there is, right? And I think just with the codependency, you're giving all of this power. Like I can keep finding more and more experts of pan handling and it'll never end. You know, eventually I'll get to a point where like this person costs a million dollars an hour. Like, fuck, I got to really step it up to be right. in this person's presence. But then I'm forever going to rely on this person to hold a pan. Right. And how are we going to be free that way? How are we going to be free? And you can study the pan. You can look at the pan. You can turn the freaking stove off and you can look at the pan. So it's like, you know, how can you look at all this situation or this tool? That's what a pan is. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. Just as this body is, just as our mind, our mind is, just as our heart is. Like, these are all tools that we're so young in the game and figuring out. Like, we're, we're so young still. And human beings are so young as well. And there's a lot of different pans I feel like people can learn to play with, but there's even different types of pans. There's different types of stoves. Like there's so many different things. And that's why giving yourself the allowance and the permission to go play, like go figure, go figure it out. It's going to lead to a more independent, empowered life. And then you'll attract, I imagine, you know, that chef, that does want to cook, not for you, but with you to make something beautiful and delicious. And I think that's another thing. Like we will eventually find those people that will first off, show you how to use the pan and then not do it for you. But I think there's um, a complication with today's society of wanting to own that teaching, right? So there, there's mm. a lot of chefs out there that want to show me how to hold a pan and never let me hold the pan. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's my struggle with like, well, am I going to eventually find people that are going to share the pen? Or am I always just going to be surrounded by people that need to show me how it's like, and then I'll never get the chance to hold the pan. So I have to isolate myself from people and then buy my own stove and my own pan. Yeah. I'll punch that, that thought through the freaking stratosphere. Fuck that. But <laughs> 
there is an attachment because then on the other side, that that chef, if you will, is like, oh, then if I teach this person so good, they're not going to need me anymore. But that's the point. Yeah. Like that, that's that's the point of life. Like if you date, if you're in a partnership with somebody, I hope that you know you can extract lessons, whether it ends or not, like um, like whether whether it ends or not, like you are now a more inefficient tool. It's just a matter of do you want to recognize it? And then on the other side, if you're just trying to teach someone or facilitate someone only to a certain level well that's not symbiotic that's not an equal exchange that's not healthy that's not that's not complete that's not whole that's not acting out of wholeness that's acting out of a scarcity mindset and whether it's a reflection of wherever people may be it's just something to note and i'm looking forward to people continuing to call on those that are looking to facilitate because i imagine then well you're going to show them something good about a walk you're going to show them something good about, you know, how to make some pancakes or, you know, make a, make a salad or whatever it may be. And that's the exchange. You know, you show me this and I can show you this, but it's again, it's the intention. It's, it's connection and it's equal exchange. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up a really interesting fact about needing to be needed. And I think that goes into a long time historical context of women needing men because society was created with that for a long time like there just wasn't a lot of access for women we didn't have bank accounts we didn't couldn't work there's so many things that actually you needed to rely on men for so now without that i think there is a confusion of the role of people in your life Mm -hmm. so the way i think about it i mean in my coaching space i know that people need me for a certain amount of time And my focus is on transition. I'm here to transition you from one part of your life to another part of your life. You should never be forever in transition. So there's a beginning and an end. And the idea is for people to outgrow me. But I think that takes a lot of strength to say that out loud because you want that security of a consistent client that comes to you week after week after week, right? But I would be doing a disservice if I held people down from their growth. Yes. And when you think of a codependent relationship or anything, why would you want to hold that person down just so that you can feel needed? Ooh, right? That's good. As I can appreciate, well, there's, I think there's nine basic human needs. Let's see if I got them. Community, nourishment or sustenance, contribution, purpose, meaning, love. Love is one. Uh, I think there's, that's only like five, but I highly recommend people reading the book, Nonviolent Communication. Dr. Marshall Rosenberg is that that shifted everything for me and back to the coaching analogy you know there's the mindset I just think in scarcity love but when you provide that fire transformation when you provide that you know those results for people and you allow for a potent shift uh, results retention referral something in my profession you know Mm -hmm. is very important I think just any service profession so it's like you crush it well what are they going to do naturally yo you got to check out you gotta go mm-hmm. check out man like you gotta go see you gotta go experience her you gotta go be held in that container by her you know that's so that's where you know the things can flow so it's like all right cool the universe can now be better in this transformation this transition that you help facilitate them through so they can go experience more and the exchange is other clients other opportunities spaces places once more that you now get to experience because there was a need to hold that container for them in that transformation but your purpose, your intention, your 
yeah, I guess we'll just leave it at your intention. That's why it's important. And that's why it's us as it's important for just to be clear in our intentions. Mm -hmm. I think it's also that we desire to be needed, but we also don't want to admit when we need others. So if you can't admit to one, you can't have the other. It's good. You know? And I think, yeah, if we spend all our time surrounding ourselves with people that need us, we're diminishing our own greatness. Yes. Right? Because yeah. you, you're below your, your own potential because actually yes. you're stronger when you're not needed. Yes. And somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's good to have someone you're mentored by. It's you. And then you're menteeing someone. So you're facilitating, but you're being facilitated. Yeah. I think that's where, you know, a tribal or a community uh, kind of mindset is uh, just very important and sustainable. Um, so that way it's just nice and balanced. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to wrap up with a couple questions for you. Do it. <laughs> what are two most important takeaways from today's conversation? Ooh. <sighs> the fun that can come with intentionality and the importance of it when venturing out to date, even if there might be fear, as that's big, mm -hmm. as there's an aspect or reflections like, I'm dating myself right now, but it's like in dating others, you're also dating yourself. And when, like without diving into a whole rabbit hole, you know, there's self like lowercase, but then there's capital self and that's, that's God, universe, whatever, whatever playground construct that you play in, that you subscribe to, whatever it is, like you get to experience more of the universe, experience more of itself. And that's just so beautiful. So the importance of intentionality and the fun that comes with it. And I'd say just an increased awareness of where society might be at, at a baseline in wanting to connect or how we categorize people or however it may be. And the importance of the work that you do, the importance of this podcast, the importance of the work that I do to be able to facilitate just human beings into a safe space within themselves. So that way they can go create safe spaces and uh, go cook some good ass meals with each other. And mm -hmm. one person is using a pan, one person's using a pot, one person's using whatever it is. So it's the, it's the importance of safety to co-create a beautiful life. Mm -hmm. I Write love the, the pan analogy that we created. That was good, that was good. <laughs> was good. I never saw, I no one's ever taken it that far. So I, that's good. It's amazing. Um, I always like to ask this, what did you think of me when we first connected and how has it changed since this conversation? Ooh, I like these questions. First I met or first time I saw you, I was, you're an interesting being, you're curious being. And that's curiosity is one of my favorite, I don't know, I feel like that's just such a perpetuator of understanding more of life. So, you know, just hearing a little bit more of your podcast, you know, checking out an episode or two, hearing some of the posts or some of the, your reflections and what you've learned. And I mean, we dove in like, Mm -hmm. like a 90-minute conversation first time we talked so that depth was always there and that's very attractive to me and when I say attractive to me that's 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 a portal to just dive in and it's magnetizing how has it shifted I feel like through your questioning or your requests of information and your vulnerability and sharing where you may be and understanding I feel like I just have a deeper understanding and appreciation of you 
and once more appreciation of me mm-hmm. yeah what you give is what you get right ah yes ma'am <laughs> exactly my last question is i mean we talked about a lot of stuff today and a lot of stuff you know earlier so mm-hmm. is there anything that has jumped out to you that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on in another episode on the show Ooh, keep this thing going mm-hmm. mm. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the concept of being a naked emotional man. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that down here. And how can we normalize that? You know, just really understanding, I guess, the standard in which society, I don't want to say glorifies, but what if instead of glorifying sex or glorifying a naked physical woman or man, I'm what if we glorified being naked emotionally? Yeah. What kind How would of that shift that? things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if it was like, I don't know, fucking any of the magazines was like, I don't know, US Weekly or whatever. It's just like, you know, such and such actor, actress, like shares blank or, you know, it was just talking about like the energy. What if it was talking about lessons learned? What if that was like what you, re- ooh, okay, what'd they learn? Mm-hmm. What if we could spread that curiosity because in the emotions, we're able to discover the lessons. And in the lessons, we're all able to evolve. Okay. You're like, I'm imagining there's like a world where we'll have articles of like top 10 benefits of crying, you know, <laughs> like, you know, these as a man, you know what I mean? Like all these things. And it's like, oh yeah, there's all these benefits of feeling all these emotions and being yes. normal, right. Instead of, yes. You know, Yes, that's it. Versus like 10 ways to get her in bed. Exactly. <laughs> 10 ways to make him sweat. <laughs> exactly. And removing all of the physicality. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. The last part is instead of focused on the matter, we're focused on the immaterial, or instead of focused on what bridges the two, the immaterial to the material, mm-hmm. which is energy. Yeah. Oh, this was such a great chat i'm so happy for this i'm so glad yeah, <laughs> yeah no my cup feels like it's definitely definitely full and i feel charged for the day so i appreciate you i love the idea of moving toward a desire for emotional nakedness instead of the physical nakedness and hypersexuality that exists today how would a future world like that look like and i'll leave you with one last question what does intention mean to you let me know what you think Make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100th Masked Man.